0: To bring our hearts and minds into a singleness of focused vision, we begin the call to worship with reading of exhortations to praise God, the majesty of his kingdom, from Psalms 98. If you would like to join me in reading this. oh sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with a harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness. Shall he judge the world and the people with equity? 1 John 5, verses 1
1: through 6.
0: Whoever believes
1: that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, but... Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood and it comes the spirit is true
2: as the father loved me I also have loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Greater love has no man than this, than lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servant, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard, my father and I have made known to you. You did not know, you did, did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my Father's name. He will give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another.
3: Keep your finger, if you will, in that last text that we just read. John, Gospel of John, chapter 15. The text we read describes an emanation, an impulse. Something that starts in a source and moves outward into the universe. It moves to that which is nearest it first and then to everything else. As the Father has loved me. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, Source, Life, Light. This social reality, this circle of love, this harmony, this oneness, this grace. And the incarnate Son loves us and invites us to remain in this love. There is a human love, of course, that mirrors this, but it is not a love we invent. It's not a love we're naturally attuned to it's a love we receive a love we're invited to remain in it's a grace that comes a grace heard a grace received if you keep my commands you will remain in this love just as I have kept my father's commands and remained in his love I wish it were phrased a little less In command language. And a little more in will language. But I don't know that we can separate the two very much, can we? Hopefully when we issue a command, it is something we are willing to have happened. Have happened. And so out of God's will, out of God's eminence and grace, which is love, he invites us to do something. He invites us to remain in this love by keeping the commandments. I've told you this so that your joy, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That there may be this oneness that John 15 will cycle to between John 15, 16, 17. That there will be this unity that encompasses not just Father and Son and Spirit but all of created order, all intelligent life. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one friend. And so Jesus comes and lays down his life for those who are not just his friends, but those who are his enemies. I no longer call you servants because servants don't know their master's business. I've called you friends instead for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. (coughs) Mystery is revealed in action and in incarnation, in presence, in experience, in vision, in love. Christ becomes love Translated, transmuted, given, graced. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name and the Father, will, the Father will give you, this is my command, love each other. You've heard these words many times before. Sermons on love are about as common as Chevrolet automobiles. And there's a sense in which we say, yep, heard this before. And likely have. But the connection here today is a unique one. Because if we go to Exodus 20, and you can turn there now, you're going to see some of the commands enumerated. There are only two commands, right? We know them all, right? There are two. What are the two? Love God supremely and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two commands. Everything else falls under that Everything in the Ten Commandments falls under that. But there are two supreme commands. Now, in the Ten Commandments, it's broken down. We have the first four pertaining to loving God supremely and the last six pertaining to loving our neighbors ourselves. Or is it? I'm wondering if there isn't one that bridges the two, that speaks to something mysterious and great, something God-like, something that... Uh, is creative something that is uh, well I speak to a little bit in my pastor's notes but as we turn to Exodus 20 the command says honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you and as it's later referred to it's the only command with a promise that you'll live long. Now, I suppose we could interpret honor a number of ways. I would like to think of it as going much beyond the ceremonial. We had a little sort of honoring service today, and mothers, it's, uh, we readily admit it's inadequacy in addressing both our care for you, our regard for you, and uh, all that you have done and continue to do. If we're honest, we recognize things that there are terrible mothers in this world just as there are terrible fathers and terrible people. We uh, tend to venerate motherhood because it's associated with everything good and yet there are women who possess none of the graces that we would associate with nurture and care. And that kind of travesty is deeper than one can imagine when it comes to faith in heavenly parents. How on earth can someone not even loved by mother comprehend the love of a God who gave all for them? But in this passage of honoring, I think we can readily agree that it goes way beyond word, way beyond ceremony, way beyond occasional gift or reminder it goes to an understanding of the sacredness of the trust that has been placed there. The sacredness of the vessel that carries life. John Donne wrote a beautiful poem on this. Because I want to remind you, even Jesus had a mother. You've heard her talked about in Mother's Day sermons too. She comes up at Christmas time, sitting up here in our crutch, holding a crying baby sometimes. But listen to the words of the poet, John Donne. Poem called "Annunciation." For those of you who aren't familiar with John Donne, he's an English poet from who lived from 1572 to 1631. Regarded by many as one of the greatest poets of. All time in the English language, on every top 100 list for certain, and in many cases, much higher. And it's hard to read, so I may not get it right. I'm, very, I, I'm not nervous naturally up front, but it makes me nervous to read this poem because each nuance is, is so precious, and getting it is uh, difficult. Salvation to all that will is nigh. That all, which always is all everywhere, which cannot sin, and yet all sins must bear, which cannot die, yet cannot choose but die. Lo faithful virgin yields himself to lie in prison in thy womb. And though he there can take no, no sin, nor thou give, yet he will wear, taken from thence, flesh, which death's force may try. Ere by the spears time was created, thou wast in his mind, who is thy son and brother, whom thou conceivest conceived. Yea, thou art now thy maker's maker. And thy father's mother, thou hast in light, hast light and dark, and shuttest in little room, immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. Well, not a perfect read, but hopefully conveying some of the mystery and wonder, some of the majesty. When we speak of honoring, this poem speaks to it on a grander scale than any of us ever experience. Only one mother will give birth to the Son of God. And yet if we read more carefully our genealogies, particularly in Luke chapter 2, we come all the way back through the genealogy to Adam, Son of God. And realize that each of us are indeed children of God. And each of our mothers has been the vessel for giving birth to children of God. And that's what the commandment means. It doesn't mean words of flattery or nicety. It means understanding the sacredness of this life. Embracing the graces that come to us, the values, the God-likeness. As we read of mothers in Scripture, we find that they instilled in their children virtue, values, and the word of God. Hopefully mothers today are still doing the same, especially instilling in children a value for the word of God. When we receive these things, when we acknowledge them, we have much to honor. And if we were not raised in a home of faith, we still have much to honor. Because of the words of the poem, because of the commandment, because of the connection between the divine and motherhood, being between the act of creation and the act of procreation. Between the nurture that is required for human survival and the graces that come from a God who is divine. Listen to the words of Mary in Luke. Turn with me to Luke. to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now embedded in this praise are the words of the prophets of old their blessings, and their remembrances, and she shares in all of those. But there's something very personal earlier on. The Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Our psalm today, Psalm 98, referenced some of the great things God does. It referenced some of the praise that Mary gives Sing to the Lord a new song, for he's done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And it was born of woman. There's some exciting things happening. Our church is awakening to the fact that gender is not a requirement for the engagement of ministry. Church is awakening to the fact that God uses men and women in powerful ways. That the spirit does not discriminate, but comes upon both men and women. And we're moving finally toward a time and a place in history where the church can acknowledge the service of women in ministry.
0: Amen.
3: Thank you. It's a moment to celebrate for women everywhere, mothers or not. It's a moment of empowerment. It's a moment of recognizing the sacred that it lies in all of us because of Christ and His gifts, because of God and His love, because of the Spirit and His presence. These are thoughts that come to me as I cycle around these texts. As I think about the meaning embedded. As I listen to the words of Psalm and I hear them echoed in the words of Mary. As I listen to the poetry of John Donne. And think about these mind-blowing lines. Thou wast in his mind, who is thy son and brother, whom thou conceivest, conceived. Conceived. Yea, thou are now thy Maker's maker and thy father's mother. in "Thou hast in light, thou hast light in dark." I did that last time, didn't I? Let me read that again. "Thou hast light in dark and shuttest in little room, immensity, cloistered in thy dear womb. When I think of words like this, I'm reminded of the grace of God in motherhood. 1 John, if you'll turn there, teaches us on love. It doesn't mention women at all. It doesn't mention motherhood. But it speaks of something very spiritual, that those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, these are born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. There it is again. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes in the one sent that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood. you've ever seen a birth, there you have it. But it's more than this. It's not the water and blood of birth. It's the water of baptism and the blood of crucifixion. The one who came not as a spirit to inhabit a body. The one who came not as a spirit at all, but the one who came in the flesh, born of woman, Jesus Christ. He didn't come by water only. He didn't come by baptism or spirit only. He didn't come by the descent of the dove only, but by water and by blood, by sacrifice, by death. And it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. John is reminding us of something very, very powerful. But he's leaving out one element, and that's motherhood. When we think of grace as human and divine, the divine grace comes through very plainly here. We're born of God if we believe that Jesus is sent of the Father. The divine grace is present as we seek to fulfill God's commands, as we recognize that they're not burdensome, as we honor our fathers and our mothers. But the human graces are revealed in the flesh. The human grace is revealed in the fact that it was a priority of God to become flesh. It was a priority of God to create us in flesh in his image in the first place. It was a priority of God not to be so other that he couldn't communicate with us in grace and truth and love and in flesh, in incarnation, in this Christ who becomes one of us and stands among us and directs us to the love of the Father, whose mother is human flesh and blood. We catch a different grace, a different sense of the miracle and the beauty of the salvation that's ours, a deeper appreciation of the connection All of this to the life we live now and the life we live evermore and to the mystery. These are the graces, human and divine. And in our text today, as we think about traditional passages that come to us on love and how to live post-resurrection, how to live as we move forward in Christian life in grace and truth and peace and love, as we learn what it means to live out love in terms of the great commands, loving God supremely and our neighbors as ourselves, as we flesh that out by honoring our fathers and our mothers and inheriting the promise that goes with it, as we sing with Mary, his mighty arm has done great things, and he has done great things for me, as we lift our voices in those praises, as we engage with John, whose intention is to show the flesh and blood Presence and ministry and person of Christ. Born of water and blood. Baptized of water. And baptized of blood, if it, as it were. As the sin of the world is taken away. As God declares his solidarity with humanity. As creativity and creation are touched in divine fatherhood and human motherhood and bound into a sacredness whose mark we all bear forever. And so, Lord, it is with thanksgiving that we ask a special blessing this day on our church family, in particular our mothers thanking you for them, asking your guidance for them, your strength for them, your love and grace for them, touching them that they might touch all of us with your presence and purpose and love. Amen.